Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Karen Litzy. Today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So when it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want to get found, get chosen, and get five-star reviews on Google. So right now, NetHealth has a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. So a big thank you to NetHealth. And on today's episode... I am really happy to have on a physical therapy student. I love having students on. I love getting their perspective. And I love having students on who are uh, creating avenues to help other students. So today I have on Luke Holloman. He's a writer, teacher, and student from Richmond, Virginia with a special interest in sharing complex information with those who need it. Using his background in physiology and education, he started PT Crab, a newsletter that brings physical therapy clinical research awesomely brief, to the inboxes of thousands of physical therapists every week. His true passion is helping people understand and use scientific information. When not writing The Crab, he writes science and technology articles as a freelancer and is currently finishing his degree in physical therapy from Virginia Commonwealth University. Afterward, he plans to pursue a PhD in exercise physiology and study the limits of human endurance. When not doing all of that, he's a bike packer, rock climber, and trainer of his deaf dog, Kiwi. Uh, and like I said, he is based out of Richmond, Virginia. So big thanks to Luke. And in this episode, he'll talk about why reading why reading research is important. It's a great resource for students and physical therapists alike. Hey, Luke, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on. Thanks. I am really excited to be here. And today we're going to be talking all about reading research and why that's important. But I think, well, I shouldn't say that. We all kind of know why reading re- why reading research is important. But what we're going to be talking about is how to really dissect that research and how to make sure that we're understanding what the research says. And so I know, Luke, you as a PT student started ptcrab.org. Org, which kind of breaks down the research uh, for students and for physical therapists. So before we move on and we talk about um, what, what all of that means, why don't you tell the listeners the why behind starting uh, PT Crab? Yeah. So first, the what, PT Crab, it's clinically, clinical research, awesomely brief is what PT Crab stands for. And I... I'm married and my wife is a physical therapist as well. And it's the reason why I'm in physical therapy school as is not an uncommon story. It it turns out, and she's been out for about two years now and she feels pressure as I imagine all PTs do to keep up with research, but she also feels pressure to keep up with productivity standards and to have work-life balance and not go crazy. And 
So we were just chatting about it a year ago when things had kind of tapered off, I guess a year and a half ago now. And we had more time when she was only working, you know, half time because there's a pandemic and talking about how when she goes back to full time, she could keep doing what she's doing now. And that's when I thought, well, if I read it for you and then broke down the bits that you do need to know and provided you with the papers and we could go through them together, that you could actually get through all this research that keeps coming out because there's dozens every month. And a lot of the struggle is finding what's actually applicable. And I'm like, that's cool. I'll do that part. And then together we can understand it. And then after doing that for a couple of weeks, her coworkers found out and they said, well, can we also have these? So I said, sure, I'll just put it all in an email. And it just kind of took off from there. And so now it's a weekly newsletter where I send right now to about 1500 PTs, PT students, some professors around the country and a couple in other countries, which is very surprising. And it's just a kind of a summary of four research articles with links to the actual articles. So I'm kind of taking the work out of it and making it a little easier to actually keep up with all this stuff. What, what does all that mean? What does keeping up with the research mean? Does it just mean reading something for the sake of reading it? That's the pressure that a lot of people feel, right? Is you get told when you're in school that you need to keep up with the new stuff. And so you're like, cool, I'm going to come out of school and I'm going to read everything. And then you try to do it. And you're like, I, number one, most of it's not applicable. Number two, I can't do this. There's too much stuff. So it's going to be different for each individual person. What keeping up means. But in general, the, the very basic is at least the clinical practice guidelines for whatever area you happen to work in. There's a set of clinical practice guidelines and your academy definitely has those collected. So if you're a neuro PT, there's going to be on the Academy of Neuro PTs and ortho APTA has a lot of them gathered as well. So you can go out and find those and that's your minimum. And that's also great. I say minimum, but it doesn't mean that it's, it's bad to only do that because that's where we bring together everything the profession knows about a topic, put it on paper, and people use it, which is fantastic. Stepping beyond that is the challenge. And what I found in talking to people who are trying to do this along with their actual job every day is that finding one particular topic that you're really interested in because I just took a dry needling course or something and holding yourself to a standard on, okay, I took a dry needling course a month ago, they told me a lot of research, but I want to learn more or I want to keep up with it. So once a month, one day I go and I type in dry needling to Google, I short by recent, I read one article and that is enough. That's for what you're doing. You can't be expected to read all the articles. So that is enough to keep up with whatever interesting topic you have. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. And so basically keeping up with the research is obviously uh, individualized to the person. Um, what it, you know, you've been talking, uh, to physical therapists, to physical therapy students, you are a student. What are the biggest pain points for people when it comes to research, to reading research, I should say. Yeah. There's two major ones is number one is finding, finding relevant stuff. Uh, Finding it period isn't incredibly challenging. If you can get your way through Google Scholar, you can generally find stuff. Or uh, if you follow Joss PT or whatever your academy is, if you're in acute care or something like that, it's not too hard to find it. But finding relevant content is really, really challenging. And so something that I focus on with PT Crab is knowing what you want to take out of an individual article is really important once you actually start reading it. But when you approach a collection of research that's millions of articles, you need to know specifically what you want and not the way you learn EBP, which is 
probably everybody's least favorite class in PT school where you have to formulate these specific questions, but all you have to do when you're like, what do I actually want to find is go, I'm interested in a certain population in a certain thing. I'm going to find this one particular thing. If you're very focused, it's possible, but if you're not, it's really easy to get lost. And so where can people find these relevant papers? There's a lot of different methods. I mentioned Google Scholar a couple of times. I like it. It can be overwhelming if you're not focused. So it can be punishing in that way, but I like that. But you can also um, seek out specific journals. So uh, JOS PT is a common one. Journal of Physiotherapy from Australia is still very applicable to the kind of stuff that we do. And frankly, the Australians are generally ahead of us as I think we've all learned that they come up with the best stuff. So there's a lot of good stuff there. So finding a specific journal that fits with what you're interested in can just be a really easy way to skip the line and get right to what you want. And when you're, let's say I want to look for an article on clinical decision-making in return to sport right? So I'm a physical therapist, a physical therapist student. Let's say I'm on Google Scholar. How do you know what are the right words to type in to find the things that you want? Do you have any hints or tips for the people listening on what kind of keywords to use in your searches or how to kind of narrow that down? Yeah. The, so specifically for this one, we're talking about return to sport. We need to figure out the condition and the population that you're looking for. And that's going to be essential to finding the one specific thing. And then just searching with that is fantastic. If you find, let's say you're looking at uh, college students returning support from an ACL injury, for example, you're going to find a lot of stuff with that. So you need to think about, well, what am I trying to figure out? Do I want a protocol? Do I want a review that summarizes a lot of research that's come before? Uh, so if you can focus on exactly what you're looking for, it's very helpful. And then you can stick in that word, stick in that word protocol, because you're trying to come up with a method. You want to help people get back better. And then if you're looking at it, you're going, well, I still see hundreds of results and they've all got things that are related, but not quite related because there's also meniscal tears and there's MCL tears and I don't want those. You can use the most useful thing in my mind is the minus sign. So any Google, any Google search, scholar, normal Google, whatever, if you put a minus sign right before a word without a space between them, it will eliminate results that have that word. And so then you can get zoomed in on, I only care about ACLs. Don't put a minus sign before knee because that's not going to be helpful, but you can put it before meniscus or MCL or anything else that you keep seeing. And be like, that isn't what I want. I want something a little bit different that can focus you in. That is a great hint for people. Excellent tip. I did not know that. So thank you so much. That is a really great hint. All right. So we talked about what keeping up the research means, kind of how to find those relevant papers. So let's talk about what a lot of people, not a lot, what many people may do, and that's they'll read the abstract and think that's enough. So what is the problem with that? The problem with the abstract is it's not you, it's the people who write the abstracts. Research has shown that in our specific field, over 90% of the abstracts are at least misleading, if not inaccurate, relative to the paper. And my thought is, how do these get into the journals and we need to fix that? But that's not something that I can fix. And so I'm focused on what can I do with the, the material that I'm given? So the problem with just reading an abstract is they often leave out things like adverse events. And sometimes that may not matter to you, depending on what you're looking for. If you're looking for something very basic, Adverse events aren't going to be a problem, but if you're an acute care therapist thinking about how to 
help stroke patients, adverse events are really important. If that's not in the abstract, that's not very useful. Or they'll report results, but they won't tell you if they're clinically important in the abstract because they want their papers published. And so without that information, it's easily could be a useless paper, but you won't know, or a useless protocol, but you won't know. Right. So you have to dig a little deeper into the paper. So let's say you did your search, you put in the right keywords, you've narrowed down your search to a couple of abstracts, but now you're like, okay, this might be something. So now you're going to dig in a little bit deeper. So now you're bringing up the full paper. So how do we understand what the researchers are actually saying? Like, how do we, like, can you break down for us how to go through a research paper to understand, number one, was it a good study? Was it not? Was it a good systematic review? Was it not? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I try to leave those last couple questions for the experts. It's important when you're reading a paper to read it a little bit critically and think, well, I don't understand why this is here. Maybe there's more context if you see something strange. But people do review these before they go in the papers. We have to at least assume that they're pretty good because I don't have the mental energy to go through every paper that critically and figure it out. But if we're just looking at how do I actually extract information from this or figure out what these people are saying, which is still a challenge, a lot of it comes down to establishing what you want out of the paper going into it. And I know that sounds odd because papers are giving you information, but they're, they're dense, they're complicated. And if you're just like, I'm gonna read it, I'm gonna learn everything, you're gonna get a lot of stuff that either isn't important or it just isn't understandable because it's written for other people. So for example, the introduction of every paper is almost completely useless because they spend about six paragraphs telling you really general information that everybody should know. And then one paragraph that's actually useful at the very end where they almost always say, the purpose of this study is to blank. That's fantastic. It's almost always the last paragraph of the introduction and it's very, very useful. And then, we get into a method section of a paper. And again, there's lots of complicated stuff because these papers are written to be replicated. That's how science works. This is a paper of record and it's very important. But if you're trying to get information out of it, you don't care about replicating it probably. And so you're not gonna be really interested in all the details of included and excluded, et cetera, because it gets complicated. And so just checking the methods and participants to make sure that it's something that you could possibly do, that it's important. If they're using VR, for example, and that didn't come up in the title, but you see it and you go, well, I don't have a VR system, you're probably going to waste your time going through it. And if they're working on 20-year-olds and you mostly work with 65-year-olds, you're probably wasting your time going through it. But that's really all you need from that section, unless you're trying to learn a specific protocol or something. So if we're getting general information about kinesophobia or motion analysis, interesting, don't need to know the details on how they do it. But if you're learning about dry needling and how they're releasing specific trigger points, you're definitely going to have to read exactly what they're saying because you're trying to replicate that because that's what you want to do in order to perform this in your own clinic, hopefully. And then we get to, in my mind, the stickiest sections of every single one, the results and the statistical analysis. And if you ever find yourself reading the statistical analysis section of a paper, just stop. It's completely useless. There's nothing there you'll understand unless you're a statistician. If you're a statistician, you don't need me to tell you this because you know what's there already. And the results section seems useful, but a lot of times that's decontextualized. It's just a bunch of numbers. There's not information behind it. And when you, as a person who didn't 
do all the details and understand everything to it, those numbers don't mean anything until you get to the discussion section, which is the best part. So at this point, we've gone a tiny bit of the intro, a little bit of the methods, and then we dig into the discussion. And the discussion, usually the first few paragraphs, that's where they say, we did this, we found this. That's fantastic. Then you read a couple more paragraphs, and that's when it's time to start thinking critically both about the results and then about other things you might be interested in. So I mentioned adverse events earlier. If adverse events are a concern, that's when you can probably just hit Command F or Control F and search for adverse events and find it. Um, or if anything else specific is stood out about the specific outcome measure they're using or why they're using it, et cetera, then you can dig into it. And then you can also look at what the numbers mean because you have context for them at this point. And then conclusion, hopefully by now you know everything that's in the conclusion, but that's going to be another good sum up of what happened previously in the paper. Uh, depending on the journal, those have to be formatted in different ways. So a lot of times there's a little note at the bottom that says why it's clinically useful, which is also just really nice to kind of stick in the back of your head or save so you can search for it later and, and keep it organized and look it up again. And when you're going through these um, different papers, as you're going through and evaluating it, is there ever a time when you're like, well, this doesn't make any sense, or I don't know why they would do this in order to do this, or I understand these are the results, but I don't understand the methods they use to get there and mm -hmm. how that might affect how you then view that paper and its applicability to your patient population. Yeah, if, if you do come out of one going, I don't understand how these things connected, it's probably not a you problem. It's probably the way it was written or the way it's performed, and it means that it's not really going to fit into what you're doing. I think a lot of people look at research and say, like, I don't understand it, so I'm not very smart. And mm -hmm. that's not the case. You know your topic area. You know if you read something, if it's useful, you'll, you'll figure it out by the time you've gone through this. And so if you're seeing going like these things aren't lining up, then it doesn't apply to you somehow, or maybe it's from a journal that isn't super high quality and didn't go through a lot of, a lot of vetting or just poorly written. And it's okay not to get information out of poorly written paper. There's dozens more coming out this month. You'll find another one that has the same content. And what advice do you have for people in taking this research, taking this paper and, and then applying it to their clinical population. So for example, you know, not every single paper is going to work with your clinical, um, population. So how can you kind of take that research and then make it clinically applicable? Because that's the rub, right? Mm -hmm. That's what, that's what therapists need. That's what physical therapy students need to do when they're in clinic. And so what is your best advice, certainly to physical therapy students um, who, who are reading these and wondering, well, how does this apply? How can I make this more applicable to my patient population? I can give an example. You know, a lot of, we talked about return to sport and you mentioned ACLs. A lot of, a lot of research on that is done on professional players. It's done on men, certainly not done on your recreational female soccer players. And so how can we take these papers, reading this research and then say, okay, I understand this research. I'm going to now try and apply this to my patient population. Yeah. So you're getting in an area that since starting PT Grab, I've gotten really passionate about, which is the question of who is research for, right? Mm -hmm. I feel as if a lot of times research is written for researchers 
which is good. We need researchers to write to each other when we need detailed information. But if it's not for physical therapists, then what's the point? And it's really important for researchers to write for physical therapists. And exactly what you're saying about return to sport, all these things about professional athletes, it's not useful because your average patient is going to be a female recreational soccer player who's 18 years old. And we don't know. So from something like that, there's certainly going to be information in there about a certain protocol they use that might be helpful, just especially if they're doing something new and you're reading it going, oh, this is a new method or this is a new test. And it's been validated in men over 30. So it hasn't been validated for 18 year old women, but that doesn't mean that it's invalid for 18 year old women. We, we just don't know at this point. So there's nothing in there to say, well, don't use this because it's only been done on 30 year old men and it doesn't apply. But again, we don't have that power behind it. And some of this that we're getting into is beyond my ken, right? I am a student. I am not applying this stuff every day. And that's something that I think about a lot when writing the newsletter is I can't tell people how to practice because I don't know. What I mm -hmm. can do is say, here's what this paper says. Use it the way that you can use it. And so that's going almost a step beyond what I can do. I think as the practicing physical therapist, you can take some of the, the research and the that can, uh, like the researcher doing in your newsletter and say, okay, I understand this research better. Now, now you put on your clinical reasoning hat, which is why you have a DPT or, or a master's in physical therapy and apply that to your patient population. So I think that's really what separates, um, the physical therapy world is can we take and apply this research? Yeah. And this is, a young profession when it comes down to it. And a lot of times this, this paper that doesn't apply exactly to what you need to is the best we have. Yeah. And you also have to assess that against, well, what else have I got? Right. And if the answer is almost nothing, then we do have to push forward with this and then ask other people to do this, do this research. And one place where I get a lot of my papers is on ResearchGate, which is a place where mm -hmm. researchers set up a profile. They, they publish their papers. They, chat a little bit, they set up projects. It's kind of a cool area. If you find a specific area, like very specific that you're interested in, you can find that researcher who's published three or four articles about it and you can follow them. And every time they have a new article, new project, you get the information, but also you can email them on it and chat with them. And so I've had some interesting conversations with people working on in a specific topic that I'm interested in. And you could certainly do that with yours and go, well, maybe they didn't publish on this population, but maybe they're researching them right now. And you can reach out to that same researcher and ask. And I've never had a researcher come back and be grumpy. And I've had, I don't want to say almost all, because I'm sure I have sampling bias. I'm only remembering people who did get back to me, but many people have gotten back to me when I asked them questions on there. Yeah. And that's a really great tip as well, because researchers like to talk about their research mm -hmm. and they'll send you their papers, you know? So if you have papers behind a paywall, they'll send you their papers that, so that you can read them. So don't get caught up with, I, I can't, I don't have access to the paper or I'm nervous to reach out to this researcher. Just do it because researchers like to spread their research around. It's that's what they do. You know, that's what they, that's, they get, um, they get paid to do and it's a way for them to disseminate information. So I think that's a great tip. Um, and now there's, I, I know you have a hack to tell our listeners to kind of make all of this, this keeping up with the research, finding the papers, reading the abstract, not enough. You have a hack to make all of this easier. So please, please do share. 
And on that note, we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsor and be right back. When it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. NetHealth has a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. I mean, it's eminently self-serving, but uh, this is this is why PT Crab exists is because this is hard and I get that it's hard and I don't want everybody to have to go through and it continue to be hard. And so PT Crab exists to make it so you don't have to search for all of these things. And I think that I've found that's the biggest thing that I take off people's hands is the actual search for things because it's a challenge and then you don't have to go through the details of reading every single one and figuring out if it fits you'll know within about a paragraph if it does fit in about eight or so minutes a week if it does if the whole thing fits with with you um so that's like i said an eminently self-serving hack but it's the only one that i have found and i want other people to do this i would be so happy if somebody else was like look i'm going to do this for neuro because that's great. I don't know much about neuro. We don't cover a lot of neuro papers because neuro is really confusing and neuro PTs are special and I don't want to be one of them. So if somebody wanted to do this for neuro, that'd be amazing because we need more people to share this information in an understandable way. It's really important. Well, you need to bring more people on. We will see. Yeah. It's, it's been problem solved. Yeah. It's been a bit of a whirlwind getting to this point where I'm like 1500 people care about me. And I know in the population of hundreds of millions of people, it's not many, but that's a lot of people. And I feel sure. that pressure every week to get that I've gotten up to in about a year. And so already I'm like, whew, this has been quite a whirlwind. And I would, I've definitely considered bringing on guest editors or opening up maybe a monthly special topic or, but it's one of those things I'm also, I'm still a student. I still have to pass class. I have an exam tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. You know, so there's still stuff to do around that as well. I get it. That, and that should come first. Got to, got to graduate, get that degree and start practicing. Um, but, uh, now is there anything that you wanted to hit on that we didn't hit on before we start wrapping things up? Yeah. So we started getting to talking about research gate a little bit to actually find the papers, mm-hmm. um, other places you can do it. A lot of schools keep your student account alive way longer than they should. And so I, I went to Georgetown for a while. I had access to Georgetown's uh, whole paper library for four years after I graduated from there. So it's quite possible that if you graduate in the last few years, you can get access through your school library or through a professor, et cetera. Uh, there are, what's the, I guess less legal is the right term ways to get access to papers as well. Um, so this will certainly be up to you if this actually makes the show, but SciHub mm-hmm. is a great, slightly legally questionable place to find papers where, uh, a lot of researchers grab them. They just download archives and put them up on SciHub and you can find research papers there as well. I tend to prefer open access papers when I'm actually publishing PT Crab because anybody can get to them without a lot of work or ones that I can get the researchers to publish on ResearchGate. Like I said, they're very happy to do it. But a lot of times that's the hurdle is, okay, you say not to just read the abstract, but literally all I can find is the abstract. And I feel exactly. you, it is a massive pain. If you're an APTA member, you've got full access to all of their journals. And I don't remember what all of them are at the top of my head, but it's all over the website, I imagine. Mm-hmm. So that's helpful, but that's still not everything. And then 
that's part of the reason why I I mentioned earlier, I love the Australian Journal of Physiotherapy. They're totally open access. Journal of Athletic Training is very useful for PTs, completely open access. So if you do want to do the path where, hey, I'm going to find my own stuff by finding a favorite journal, try to make that favorite journal one you actually have access to because it's much, much easier to keep up with everything if you can actually get a full PDF copy. And that makes perfect sense to me. And now, Luke, where can people find you, find PT Crab, if they want more information or they want to sign up for your newsletter? So we're at ptcrab.org. That's to remember physical therapy, clinical research, awesomely brief. We have a really cute little blue crab logo. And there's a couple different versions of the newsletter. There's a free version where you get two articles per week. And that'll come out every Wednesday morning. I actually have to write this week's. And then there's a supporters version where people who appreciate what I do and want to keep it going pay either $10 a month or I think it's $10 a month, $100 a year right now uh, for four articles per week. Every week, we have a short podcast version that comes with it. You get access to an archive. There's a few other things. It's all on a page. And the first month of that is free right now. It's, It's a free trial month if you sign up for that. You can see if you like it. If you don't, go with the free version. I love to have anybody reading it, but if you enjoy it and you think it's useful, definitely, I really appreciate having you signed up as a, we call them our King Crab supporters and it, rather than our, our Blue Crab free subscribers. And then for me personally, I'm I'm at Luke Coleman on Twitter. It's probably where I'm most active. Um, PT Crab doesn't have a social media presence. They just kind of roll through me. So you can find me at Luke Coleman and to spell my name, I grew up next to an Air Force base that's felt very slightly differently. So I've gotten sensitive about it, but it's H-O-L-L-O-M-O-N. That's Luke Holloman on Twitter. Right. Not M-A-N. Indeed. Yes. 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 Which I get it. was an understandable mistake when I was a kid, but uh, it has followed me. In fact, my little brother, the first thing he said when I got engaged to my now wife, he texted her and said, welcome to having people misspell your name for the rest uh- of your life. Great. Yep. Uh, people misspell my last name all the time. So I feel you. I feel your pain. And now before we end, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everyone. And that's knowing where you are now in your life and in your physical therapy journey, what advice would you give to your younger self? I'd probably say start earlier. I ended up picking PT because my wife is a PT and I'm like, I got to do something, right? I'm, I'm, not old, but I'm one of the older people in my physical therapy class. I'm almost 30. And I'm looking at this and going, you know, if I'd just gone, Hey, PT looks cool. Four years ago, I'd be where my wife is now, or six years ago, I'd be practicing for a long time. And I'm quite happy with where I am now, but I just keep thinking, man, I could have five extra years of this. That would be wonderful. So get focused in on something a little bit earlier. And and that would have worked out quite differently. I think that's great advice. And it's not the first time I've heard it on this show. A couple of people have said the same thing. Pretty, so a nice common theme running through for a lot of people is they wish that they started the things they're passionate about earlier, which makes sense. So Luke, thanks so much for coming on and for sharing all of uh, this great info on research and reading research and what to look for and where to find it. So I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. You're welcome. It was great. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. A big thank you to Luke for coming on the podcast this week. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, NetHealth. So again, if you want your clinic to get those five-star ratings, improve your online visibility, reputation, and referrals, check out NetHealth's fun new offer through Digital Marketing Solutions. If you sign up 
and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they'll buy lunch for your office. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.